Would you turn this morning to the book of Mark, Mark the 11th chapter. In Mark the 11th chapter, for some weeks now, we have been on the subject of uh, faith and uh, the title we're calling this, Without a Doubt, Without a Doubt. But we've been talking about living the life of faith and getting rid of all the doubt. Mark 11:22. 11:22 Jesus had just, you know, hours before spoke to the fig tree and it dried up from the roots. And when they saw the disciples saw what had happened, they remarked, and he took it as an opportunity to teach them. And he said, "Have faith in God." Now who's the understood subject? Of that sentence. You have faith in God. And then he went on to say. You have faith in God. For verily I say to you. That whosoever. Would that include you? In other words you could say like this. If you will say to this mountain. So are you praying in that case? No you're not praying. Are you talking to yourself? No, you're just talking into the air. No, 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 you're talking to an object. Here's a mountain. Well, maybe it's not a literal physical mountain you need to move, but it's a mountainous problem. It's a great big something that's blocking you and hindering you and in your way and holding you back. You are to speak to it. Could be cancer. Could be a mountain of debt. Hmm? Could be excess fat, like we were talking about earlier. Could be your past. Could be, you know, any number of things. But you don't just struggle, struggle, and you don't just beg God, and you don't just cry and feel sorry for yourself. You stand up, you look the thing in the eye, and you speak to it. Are you with me now? You speak, you say, tumor? No, you don't. You don't live in my body. Not in my body. I command you to die and dry up. Cancer, you can't live in me. You'd be talking to the cancer. Now, I know that sounds odd to a lot of people, but it's just because the church has gotten so far away from the Bible because this is read the same for century after century. And people decided they had a better way. Oh, no. This is how you have faith in God. You look your problem and blockage, whatever's hindering you, right in the eye. And you speak to it. And you say, you get out of my life. You be removed. And be cast into the sea. But now what's the next part of it? Is that the end of it? If you just look at it and talk to it, that it would happen. No. That's not all there is to it. It's not just saying it. That's a big part of it. But what has to follow up? He said, if you'll say that, be removed, be cast into the sea. And what? And shall not doubt in his heart. Faith is of the heart, not of the intellect. The Bible says, Romans 10. For with the heart, man believes. And with the mouth, confession is made. Unto salvation. 
That's how you get born again. You believe it in your heart. You confess it and say it with your mouth. But what a lot of people haven't realized, that's how you get in. That's how you get started. But that's also how you live every day. (laughs) That's how you receive everything. That's how you deal with everything. Just like God. We're created in His likeness and in His image. He conceived something in his heart. You see it back in Genesis 1. And he believed it in his heart. And then he said it with his mouth. Light be. And it became. That's how he operates. And he's teaching and training us to operate like that. Same exact same principle. And that's what Jesus did. Didn't he? He's walking by there. He speaks to that tree. He's not talking to God. He's not talking to the devil. He's not talking to the disciples. He's not talking to himself. He spoke to that tree. He said, tree, nobody will eat fruit of you from now on, forever. And walked away. And that tree dried up from the roots. And when they looked at it, they thought, wow, what did he do to that tree? He didn't hit it, did he? No. He didn't have an axe. No. What did he do? He just spoke to it. I saw him. And it obeyed, and they thought, wow, Jesus, there's that tree you spoke to. Look at it. It's deader than a doornail. Look at it. And what did he say? Did he say, yes, I'm the son of God, and I can do those kind of things, but don't you try this at home. Now, that, some version of that is what a lot of seminaries teach. And what a lot of people hear in their churches. Well, Jesus can do it. Jesus. And if you could talk him into a notion of speaking to it for you. Oh, yeah. So you got a whole lot of begging. Please, Jesus, please. Jesus, if you could only see your way to do something for me. Please, please. You got begging and begging and begging. Now, if the Lord had told us to do that, then it'd be okay to do it. He didn't tell us to do that. He told us to stand up and brush herself off and look the thing in the eye and speak to it and say, I command you, get out of my life. And not doubt in your heart. But believe that what you say will come to pass. Then what did he say would happen? You will have whatever you said. It's not just saying it that gets it done. you got to believe that what you said is coming to pass and not doubt in your heart about it. So is he telling them and us that we could do what he did with that tree? Now, a lot of Christians, a lot of ministers will say, oh, oh, no, no, no. But he did. That's what he said right here when he said, you have faith in God. You could speak not just to that tree. You could speak to that mountain. In fact, that's the way Matthew records it. Matthew 21, he talks about it that way. He said, if you'd have faith and not doubt. You could not only do that which was done to the fig tree. So is he telling them they could have done that? But also you could speak to this mountain. He's telling them they can, you can do what I just did. It's sad. Millions of Christians do not believe that statement. But did he, you got to make up your mind what you believe. Did he tell them and us that we could do what he did? Not only that we could, but he's telling us that's what you do. 
And the scripture said, you know, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And even greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because he went on. If he'd have stayed, the works would have just kept getting greater and greater. But he left. He paid the price for our sins. And he's at the right hand of the Father right now. But he didn't leave us alone. He sent the Holy Spirit. And he's in us. And he's on us. And he gave us the authority of his name. All right? He gave us the helmet of salvation. He gave us the breastplate of righteousness, loins girt about with truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. He gave us the shield of faith. He gave us the sword of the Spirit. And then told us to sit down because we couldn't do anything, that he'd have to do everything. So we go clink, 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 and sit down and go, please, Jesus, do something for me. Please, please, please. Are you all armored up just to beg night and day? Huh? But that's what the church has been taught to do. Beg, what do you do? Beg. Just beg God, beg, beg, beg. And he might, he'll get tired of hearing it probably and say, okay, all right, all right, hush, I'll do it. No. What does it mean? All dressed up. And what? You're supposed to use that shield of faith. You're supposed to use that sword of the Spirit. You're supposed to do something. I'm spo- we're supposed to stand. Stand. And having done all, stand. Believe. Lay hold of it with your faith long as it takes. Resist doubt. Cast down fear. Every thought and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, grab it and throw it down and say, no, no, no. God said this. That's all I'm believing. That's all I see. That's all I say. Without a doubt. Because doubt's what can mess it up. So we've been talking about that now for a few weeks. And I want us to go on today. He said in James, let me read this to you, you don't have to turn there. But in James, he talked about if you uh, need wisdom, ask of God and he would give to all men liberally. But he said, ask, uh, this is the new living, be sure that you really expect him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. They can't make up their minds. And they waver back and forth in everything they do. Now when, the reason we're talking so much about this without a doubt, because doubt can mess it up. You can come here and get pumped up in the service and get excited about the will of God. You can pray a good prayer. You can pray a prayer of faith and release your faith. You can make a good confession and believe what you said. But three days later, get to wondering about it and questioning it and open your mouth and start doubting and questioning and undo what you said. Undo what you prayed. Doubt can ruin it. Doubt can mess it up and keep you from getting results. You know, cancer alone is not enough to do you in. Or diabetes or high blood pressure or AIDS or whatever it is. None of those things in and of themselves are so big and terrible and powerful that they can destroy you and nothing can be done. It's like sin. I had a fellow one time that was helping me in a certain area. I was hiring him part time for something as a professional. And he didn't purport to be a Christian. And I noticed he was a little uncomfortable around me, and I knew what he was thinking, some things he was doing with his life. 
And so I just told him we were riding an elevator down one time. I just looked at him. I said, you know, there's nobody in hell for smoking and drinking and doing drugs. He looked at me like, hmm? Really? I said, yeah, you know, there's nobody in hell for adultery or any kind of sexual sin or or perversion or, or lying or stealing. His eyes got wider. He's like, boy, I heard you were different, you know, but whoo. He said, is that right? I said, yeah, that's right. So what, what do you mean? I said, well, Jesus has already paid the price for all those sins. So we don't have any more a sin problem. We got faith issues. Are you listening? Is it true now? Somebody dies and goes to hell as a liar and a murderer and a thief and this and that. Was it because their sins couldn't be forgiven? No. No. It's because they did not put faith in the one who paid the price for all their sins. Now let's go on. Did he really take all our infirmities and bear all our sicknesses and carry our pains? Then has he already paid the price for it? Did he bear it? Then is it really just the disease that destroys people? Or can it come back to ignorance and doubt and fear? Could we be healed of anything? Yes, just like you can be forgiven of anything, you can be healed of anything. Is it really the financial economic climate that ruins people financially? Or the problems in their business area or the company? No. Could you come out of any financial situation, any debt, any liability? Could you come out? Yes, you can. Is God able to supply all your needs? So then it's not really the financial, economical, political, whatever problem. It's a faith issue. Do you see that now? That's why we're spending so much time on this. Because what if you eliminated doubt from that area of your life? And all you did was what Jesus told Jairus. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Well, what happened to him when he did that? His little daughter was raised from the dead and healed. And we see that kind of thing over and over again. Well, what about you? What about me? If we eliminated doubt, eliminated wavering from that part of our life, you would receive without fail and without delay. It's a fact. If we eliminate doubt, can we? Yes, we can. He wouldn't tell us, don't doubt in your heart. If we weren't able to do what he said. Now this same word that's translated doubt in Mark eleven twenty three is also translated uh, wavering in James, same Greek word, and it's also translated staggering in Romans four. So it means wavering, staggering, vacillating, and it literally means to be of two minds. Or to stand in two ways. You can't go two different directions at once. You can't believe two opposite things. Now you can tell what people are believing by their countenance. 
There's fruit of faith. Romans 15 says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You show me somebody full of faith, I'll show you somebody that has some joy and some peace. Why? Because if you believe you're coming out, it makes you glad. If you believe you're about to get into the best you've ever been into. You're about to be completely free from this thing that's been hindering you for so long. I'm talking about experientially. If you believe that and you're really completely expecting that, you're not depressed over it. People will say, well, we're just believing God, Brother Keith. I doubt it. Why? You're depressed. Why would you be depressed over being healed? Well, we're standing. Y'all stand with us. I just don't know if we can make it. Well, honey, you're not in faith. Why? What your countenance, your tone is telling us what you really believe. You're expecting it to stay just like it is or get worse. That's why you feel that way. That's why you're acting that way and sounding that way. You're full of doubt. Unbelief. And we've all been there. But you don't have to be there. And you don't have to stay there. You can get the word in you. Faith comes by hearing. And when you've heard from him, you can, now get this. When you've heard from him, you can decide to believe this. And not anything else that contradicts it. Did you hear that word? Decide. Believing God is a choice. I said believing God is a choice. Mind if I use you just a minute here, Brother Dave? Let's say that me and Brother Dave told you, you know, Brother Dave's been using his faith. And he walked across Table Rock Lake the other day. (laughs) We're not saying he did. I said, if we said that. Yeah, Brother Dave, yeah. So I walk across the water behind the dam there. <laughs> Outstanding. And you said, I can't believe that. Well, that's not true. Do you believe anybody ever walked on the water? Yes. Who? Jesus. Jesus and Peter. You ever met Jesus and Peter personally in the flesh? Have you seen them? Did you see him walk on the water? Were you there? Then you believe it. Why do you believe it? (laughs) You weren't there. You didn't see it. You heard it. And you chose to believe it. You heard that about Dave walking on the water. And you say, I can't believe that. That's a lie. You've already proved you can believe it. You believe somebody walked on the water. At least you've met Dave. You've seen him. <laughs> right? You know he exists in the flesh. Jesus, you, you know, the Bible says, uh, though we haven't seen him, we love him. Right? This is by faith. And you hadn't shook Peter's hand. You hadn't looked him in the eye. And you sure didn't see him walk on the water. 
yet you chose to believe it. You weren't there at the cross. You didn't see him tie Jesus to the post. You didn't see him scourge him. You didn't see him, uh, you know, nail him to the cross. You didn't see any of that. You didn't see him rise from the dead. But what? Do you believe it? Come on now, how many in this place, you believe he was born of a virgin, he died on that cross, he raised from the dead, he seated at the right hand of majesty, you are not wondering about it. You believe it with every fiber of your being, and he's coming again. You know why you believe that? You chose to believe it. You chose to. You don't... You know, you haven't researched scientific evidence to prove this or that. That's why some people find fault with us, because science is their God. All true science agrees with God. Anything that doesn't, they're wrong. They're ignorant, and they just ain't found out yet. It's a fact. Because God's real, He exists. Now, how do we know that? See, this is Faith Life Church. Faith Life Family. With faith people. He that comes to God must what? Believe. It's a choice. You believe that God exists. And you believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We have chosen to believe that. And the Bible said if you do that and you obey him, then he will make himself real to you. Not before you believe. People say, well, seeing is believing. Absolutely not. Seeing's not believing. The scripture said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's right here and right now. So when people say, I, I just can't believe all that healing stuff. I just can't believe it. That's not true. You choose not to believe it. I can't believe in all that prosperity stuff, that 30, 60, 100 fold, sow a seed and claim and believe you receive. I can't believe all that stuff. That's not true. You could believe it if you would choose to. You have chosen not to believe it. And that, my friend, is a big problem a big mistake now i'm excited about this i'm telling you we we've already got something good this morning already everybody said choice i choose to believe or to doubt it's a choice in uh, turn with me to two places two places first timothy 1 and then Hebrews 3. 1 Timothy 1 and Hebrews 3. It's happening right now. Right? In this room, by TV, by internet, you're listening, and it's happening by the millisecond. You are deciding, I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that's what the Bible says. I believe that. Or you're saying, "Mm -mm. I don't care what you say, preacher. (laughs) I don't believe that. No, I don't believe it. No, I don't. No, I don't. I can't believe that. Well, that's not true. You just chose not to. 
Now, if you chose not to agree with my opinion, that's one thing. I'm a man, I could be wrong. But to choose to not believe what he said is a problem. It puts you in a place where you can't receive. It cuts off blessings from you. The scripture said concerning the first generation of Israelites that he brought out of Egyptian bondage, said they turned and limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God. Why? Because they refused to believe what he told them. Wasn't that they couldn't. Now specifically, it's talking about the promised land. That God looked through all the lands that existed and he picked that one out specifically for his people, he said. He said, it's a good land. It flows with milk and honey. I rain on it just at the right time and it brings forth. And sure enough, when they got there, you remember, it took two men to haul one bunch of grapes. I mean, this is a, this is a rich land. And he said, not only that, he said, but you're going to just waltz right in. To houses you didn't build. Full of houses. You didn't build. Full of good things. Vineyards. And orchards. You didn't plant. And wells. You didn't dig. You just go move right in there. And take the sign down. And put your name up. And sit down in the chair and go. Oh the Lord is good. Glory to God. Let's go get one of them big bunches of grapes. And so they sent out a man to represent each tribe and to spy out the land and come back. You remember? And the Bible said that ten of them brought back an evil. Everybody say evil. Evil. Now why would it be evil? The further we go, you're going to see. Doubt is evil. Now you think about it. If it's not sin keeping people out of heaven, what is it? Doubt, unbelief. If it's not just the disease itself that's keeping people out of health, what is it? Then it's evil. You talk about something bad. Doubt is evil. They brought up an evil report and this was it. No, we can't go in. It's there. Oh, it's pretty. It's fine. It's good. But there's giants there. And they got iron chariots. And they're mean. I'm telling you, they're mean. They're big and they're bad. Man, I saw a guy, I think he was 10 foot tall. Must have weighed 600 pounds. Man, we just like grasshoppers to them. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. But there were two guys that were right there with them and saw exactly the same thing. They saw exactly the same thing. They saw the giants. They saw the grapes. They saw the walled cities. Joshua, Caleb, and what did they do? They believed. Oh, can you see this now? People say, but you just don't know what kind of circumstances I'm in. You just don't know. They were in the same, exactly the same circumstances. I just can't believe that. You see all those judges? I can't. Yeah, you could if you would, but you refuse to. They said, oh, no, no. They said, shh, shh, hush, hush. Y'all be quiet. Now sit down. Listen, listen. God has already given us this land. And I'm telling you, the Lord is with us. 
And if He's with us, then their defense is gone from them. They are bread for us. This is going to be a piece of cake. I'm telling you. Come on. Let's get ready. Let's go get what God gave us. Faith. 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 No doubt. But the rest of them said, "Uh uh-uh. No, no, no. Don't you believe that? These guys will kill you. They'll just destroy all of us. And the whole bunch believed the evil report. And they all went back in their tents and sat down and cried all night. And you know the story. That generation did not go into the promised land. Although the book of Hebrews says it was prepared before the foundation of the world. They were supposed to enjoy it. They were. Not just their kids. They were supposed to enjoy it. Why? Why? What kept them out? The giants kept them out? The walled cities, the iron chariots did not keep them out. Their own doubt kept them out. Somebody say, not me. Say it out loud. Doubt is not going to keep me out. Hallelujah. Are you in 1 Timothy 1? 1 Timothy, the first chapter. Notice this, verse uh, 12, 1 Timothy 1.12, Paul speaking, Spirit of God speaking through Paul. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. You're going to see as we go further that there are two kinds of unbelief. And this is the first one. It is an ignorant unbelief. And on this, God has mercy. Remember what Paul's talking about. This is when he was called Saul. And he got letters from the leaders that authorized him to go into town after town and to drag out Christians and beat them and persecute them. And he was holding the clothes of them that stoned Stephen and confirming him and backing them. I mean, he hated the church. He did everything he could to destroy the church. That's why, you know, on the road to Damascus, Jesus said, Saul, Saul. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you persecuting me? But notice what he said. He said, Lord, who are you? He really thought he was doing the right thing. He did. Well, you can see as soon as he got light, just as strong as he was to hurt the church, he was stronger to build the church. And that's the way honest people are. Honest people. Good people, sincere people. In fact, you know, the Bible talks about the good ground that produces the 30, 60, 100 fold. It says, in a good and honest heart, they receive the seed and keep it and produce the 100 fold. When you talk about who's a good person as opposed to who's not, one of the biggest qualities of a good person is honesty. No such thing as a, per- they're a good person, but they're a liar. 
Sorry. No. If you're a liar, you're not a good person. But good news, you can repent. (laughs) Right? And you can be honest. Well, in talking about that, Saul changed. I mean, when he got light, and that's what he says here later. He says, I obtained mercy. Why? Because I did all that. How? Ignorantly in unbelief. It was unbelief. No question about that. But it was ignorant unbelief. And ignorance gets mercy from God. Now go to Hebrews 3. Something really important where child training is concerned. I want you to see here. This is how God deals with us, his children. And how would you be a good parent? Well, you'd be like him. A good parent's going to be like the Father God. In Hebrews 3, are you there? He was in unbelief ignorantly and God had mercy on him. But here is something different. We were just talking about this. In Hebrews 3, Hebrews 3, the Bible said in verse 7, As the Holy Ghost says, Hebrews 3, 7, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Everybody say harden. Hard. Harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works for forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and I said, They do always err in their heart. Heart problem. And they have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, in other words, watch out, lest there be in any of you, what? An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Evil heart. Now notice verse 18. And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in. Why? Because of the giants. What? No. What kept them out? Of the land that flows with milk and honey. And how many understand? That's a type of all of our blessings today. Isn't it? What keeps people out? Now you got all the... It's sad because you got all these ministers saying the same kind of junk. Well, God just put that on you to teach you something. And God just hadn't seen fit to let you have that. And all kind of excuses blaming God when the real issue is people are held out by their own unbelief. That's the truth. Whether it's me, whether it's you, whoever it is. That's the real thing that's keeping people out of these blessings and benefits. They could not enter in. They didn't get in there. Why? Read it out loud. Because of what? Because of unbelief. Now, this is a different word. And it's a different thing than what we read in 1 Timothy. Paul did what he did ignorantly in unbelief. This word is something else. It means unpersuadable. Unpersuadable. Let me read some other parts of this. 
It's also frequently translated disobedience. Disobedience. Now could you say that they didn't go in because they didn't know? Bless their hearts. They just didn't know it was theirs. They didn't know that God could have helped them overcome those giants. They just didn't know it. That can't be. He just brought Egypt to its knees. To get them out of generations of slavery. There was no way Egypt was letting them go. I mean, there was nothing political. There was nothing economical. There was nothing anybody could have done to get them out of there. But God, I said, God shook that place to the core. And here they come out. The Bible said, with a high hand. And he brought them out with silver and gold. And there wasn't even one feeble among their tribes. It's not like they didn't know God could do something. They have seen it back to back to back to back to back. And he, he just got through splitting the Red Sea. And bringing them across on dry ground. And swallowing up all their enemy that was trying to kill them. It's not like they didn't know. Now listen to this. To whom much is given, much is required. But to one to whom little is given, well, little. What does that mean? God deals with you according to your light. But you can't fool him about what you know and what you don't know. No need to even try. And here's the thing. If you, we don't have time today to go through all of it, but if you read back in Numbers uh, 13 and 14, then you'll find that at that last time, when they refused to go in the land, refused to believe God, after all the signs and things, that's what God, God brought it up. He said, after everything I have done and showed them, how long before they believe me? That's what God said. And it made him angry. It made, well, it's like you're doing something for somebody. You're there for them again and again. You do everything you tell them you're going to do. And years later, they still look at you when you say something and go, well, I just don't know about you. If you will or if you won't, because you just never know about Keith. Well, they just slapped me. If I've always kept my word to them, I've always come through. How long before you have some faith in me? Well, how much more a God who cannot lie, who's never failed, who's never let anybody down, shouldn't take thing after thing after thing, and we're still standing there going, well, you just never know. Well, you're going to know that you're going to get left out. You're going to do with that. You're going to get held out. And the Bible said, the Lord said concerning them, he said, they have tempted me ten times. And that last one was the last straw. He said, all right. What you have said out of your mouth is what's going to happen to you. You've been saying ever since I brought you out of Egypt, you're going to die out in the wilderness. He said, fine. That's what's going to happen. What you said. He said, but your babies and kids that you said was going to be consumed by all those giants, I'm going to take them in. 
And they're going to possess the land and enjoy the land that flows with milk and honey that I got for you. Unpersuadableness is an evil thing. When God has done for us again and again. Now did you hear these two things? Ignorance. Unpersuadableness. I said this word's also frequently translated disobedience. You can, it also includes the idea of rebellion. Doesn't it? Rebe- disobedience. Unpersuade. You can't persuade them. They know it. They see it. But they refuse to believe. Unpersuadable. Now we talked about being a good parent. It also applies to being a good leader, being a good boss, being a good teacher, being a good pastor, anything, any area of leadership. Anytime you have an issue with somebody, they didn't do what you wanted them to do. They didn't do what you told them to do. I don't care if it's a three-year-old or if it's a 35-year-old employee. Same thing. What do you do? You have to ascertain, was it ignorance Or rebellion. Because the two get completely, should get completely different responses from you. Are y'all with me? This will help you today now. What do I do? My three-year-old did exactly what I told them not to do. Hmm? My 12-year-old did exactly what I told them not to do. My 40-year-old employee did the very opposite of what I told them to do. What do I do now as a leader? Well, you have to discover something. What do you have to find out? Was it ignorance? Or was it rebellion? And a good leader always looks right back here. Did I communicate to them properly? Did I make it plain to them? Did I do my part? If in discovering that there was ignorance, they didn't know They didn't see it. Like Paul said, I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Ignorance needs instruction. It's not time for uh, to punish. You didn't explain it. They didn't understand it. I don't care how mad you are because it didn't get done. You got to take a large portion of the blame. Yeah, but now it's all a mess. Well, it's your fault as much as anybody's. Ignorance. Requires instruction. So teach. Help. Instruct. Be patient. Control yourself. Okay, what if you find out they knew perfectly what you said? They just decided they're not going to do it. They know better. They got a better way. They can hear from God too. And they just decide to do something else. Well, that's rebellion. Rebellion does not need instruction. And that's where a lot of these modern child-rearing books is wrong. They got you trying to reason with a four-year-old and begging and pleading. And what do you want to do? And trying to teach rebellion. And it does not work. Rebellion does not need instruction. Because they didn't do the wrong thing because they didn't know any better. They knew. What does rebellion need? Discipline. I said discipline. I'm not just talking about beating people now. There's all kind of forms of discipline. All kind of forms. 
But there needs to be some price paid. Some privileges forfeited. Something needs to happen. You don't just look at rebellion and go, oh, well, baby, you know, do it better next time. And they go, well, okay, whatever, if I feel like it. Mm -mm. If you do and you let that go, you are a poor leader. You are a poor parent. No, it's time for somebody needs to pay some price. It's time for some discipline. Not talking discipline. Are you with me? And the absence of this is why we got such a messed up bunch on the planet today. Do you understand this? Well, God's not that way. He knows whether it's ignorance or whether it's rebellion. Now, why are we talking about this? Well, we're talking about getting doubt out of our life. And here's two kinds of unbelief. Unbelief, you know, there are people, a lot of Christians, good-hearted people, love God with all their heart, but they have never seen that Jesus took their infirmities and bore their sicknesses and carried their pains and that he would satisfy them with long life. They have never seen that. Even if they've heard it, they have never seen it. It hasn't dawned on them. And so they are in unbelief in the area of healing out of ignorance. God has mercy on that. They need instruction. They need enlightenment. And if they're honest, when they see it, finally, they'll get excited. Like you did. Like I did. But then there's a lot of other people, they have seen it plainly. Speaking in tongues, they saw it. They know it. They know it's real. But just refuse to believe it and accept it. That's serious. That's the kind of stuff that will keep you out of things you should be a part of, should be enjoying. Go to the book of John, please. I think we can conclude on this. John 20. Said out loud, ignorance, ignorance. needs instruction. Needs instruction. Rebellion, Rebellion needs discipline. Needs discipline. Do not instruct rebellion. Are you with me on this? Don't sit down and try to reason with somebody and talk to somebody for five hours that's being rebellious. You're wasting your time. You're being a poor leader. I got six or seven nods. Other folk are going, "Mm, what does that mean? Well, it means you're going to have to take some responsibility and you're going to have to do some things you're not going to enjoy doing. And some people are not going to be happy with you initially. But in the end, they'll love you. Are you with me? God chastens those he loves. What does that mean? When you know better and you disobey him, it's going to cost you. Why? Well, if you got any sense, you'll learn. If not, you'll do it again. Say it out loud again. Ignorance needs instruction. Rebellion Needs discipline. John 20, are you there? If we believed and did not doubt, if we removed the wavering, what would happen? We would always, we would receive without fail and without delay. Why do I say delay? Because that is one of the biggest causes of things delayed. On again, off again. Up and down. 
in and out. Believing, 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 and then get discouraged and talk a bunch of doubt and unbelief and just let it lie for a month or two. And then get stirred up. Okay, now I'm going to believe. I'm believing, believing, believing. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering if it makes the angels dizzy. Because <laughs> you're believing God and the angels are going and going and they're getting it and they're bringing it to you. And then they go, oh, whoa, wait, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, what? He's talking to unbelief again. Oh, man, I'll just sit down. Let's see what he's going to do. No, he's definitely in doubt. What do we do? Take it back. Oh, man. So they're taking it back. And then about three weeks later, oh, he's in faith. Grab it, grab it quick before he changes his mind. Come on, let's go. And they're going, and they're running, and they're just, you know, they get almost to the door, and they go, oh, man, what? Stop. What? Not again. Yeah. He's talking unbelief. Yeah, he's definitely in doubt. Sit down. What do we do? What do we take it back? Take it back. That is delay. Right? You got to get in faith. Stay in faith. Every day. Every night. You got to talk one thing. One. One. Day in, day out. Feel good. Feel bad. Look better. Look worse. Unchanged. Unmoved, the Bible reads exactly the same. Can you say amen? amen? Now, John 20. Glory to God. We are growing in faith. We are growing. We're getting rid of this doubt. I detest it, don't you? This doubt is what holds you out. But not us. We're getting the doubt out. And then we're going in. John 20, Jesus has raised from the dead. I mean, this is, this is the pinnacle of the good news. Because when he was raised, we were raised in him and with him. And, uh, Jesus, you know, the two saw him, uh, the women saw him. And the Bible said in John 20 and 24, it says, but Thomas, notice how it starts off the sentence, but, that's not good already, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. Now this is not the only report. You got the two guys that met him walking by the road to Emmaus. You had uh, the women, Mary Magdalene and the women. He appeared in the room and other of the disciples saw him. And not only that, before he left, he told them. Destroy this temple and in three days. It'll be raised. There was thing after thing after thing of scripture and prophecy. It's not like this is a brand new thought to them. They had heard about it. So then he comes back and they go, we saw him. We saw him. He was here. Who? Jesus. Jesus. He's alive. He's right here. We saw him. What is it time to do? It's time to believe. Could he have believed? 
What did he do? What did he say? They said, we have seen the Lord. He said to them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Is this anything to be proud of? Have you ever seen people like this though? Unless I have indisputable scientific evidence, controlled tests by experts, unless I have the signature of 92 doctors with impeccable reputations, unless I have 40 test tubes that are labeled correctly, I will not believe. (laughs) Is there anything good about that? Are there a lot of people like that though? Well, seeing is believing. I've got to see it with these here eyes. You understand me? I've got to put my hand on it. What are they saying? You are a great big doubter. And what's so sad is you're proud of it. You think you're something because you're so full of doubt. <laughs> See, so people try to, they make fun of us. They go, well, y'all are just, you need the crutch of religion and y'all are just gullible. Y'all are just believe anything. No, not true. We will believe anything he says to us. Yes, we will. Now, you're a different story. (laughs) What that sign say, in God we trust, all others pay cash. (laughs) Well, a lot of Christians have made mistakes because, you know, we train ourselves every day to believe without seeing and not doubt. Just believe. But that does not transfer to every person you know. You're not to trust people blindly. Just because somebody pops up and goes, I'm a Christian brother. We're Christian brothers. I got a fish sign on my car. (laughs) Let's go in business together. Well, how's it all going to work? Just trust me. We're Christians. Uh Uh-uh. No. Somebody, you're talking about business and stuff like that, and somebody keeps hollering, I'm a Christian brother, that's when you start backing off. Because the thing ought to stand on its own merits without pulling out the fish signs. <laughs> you trust God completely, unquestioningly. You don't have to see. Other people, everybody in your life, you have different levels of trust with them based on your experience with them and what the Lord tells you about them. But you are not supposed to just blindly trust people. You're to love them. Loving people and trusting people are not the same thing. Hmm? And if you trust people who've lied to you repeatedly, 
you're a fool. And that's another message. (laughs) You can love them, but say, no, no, you just stare at where I can see you. (laughs) Won't you love me? I love you, brother. I do. Yeah, but just stay right there. Don't get behind me. Now, God, you don't have to think about any limitations like that. He is completely trustworthy. He has never lied to you. Ever. Or anybody else. He's never failed you or betrayed anybody. He is completely trustworthy. You and I should be growing towards that. Now, in John 20, he said, I will not Believe, what is this? Is this an ignorant unbelief? No, No, this is that evil stuff. Right? This is that evil, evil stuff. He said, uh, well, let me read this to you from another translation. The disciples in the Amplified kept telling him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the marks made by the nails and put my finger into the nail prints and put my hand into his side, I will never believe it. I will never believe it. Now, in verse 27, then he said to Thomas, excuse me, verse 26, after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas was with them. He was there that time. And then came Jesus, the doors being shut. He didn't even have to open the door. And he stood in the midst and he said, peace be unto you. He never came with a message of fear. Always peace. Of course, you know, it could be a little surprising. (laughs) See somebody you buried a few days ago. And you look up and there was no knock on the door and the door is locked. And there was no open or shutting of the door. And you look up and they go, hi. (laughs) You're going to go, wow. So he said, peace. And it ministered peace to him. And he looked over at Thomas. Thomas had been quick. He would have already been on his knees. Repenting, right? Before anything was said. But no. He said, Thomas, come here. Come here. Take your finger. Here, put it right here. Put it in there. How many understand this is not a good thing? No. No. But he's the one that ran his mouth. Wasn't he? So adamant about, I will never believe unless I've got to put my finger, my finger, not yours. I've got to put my finger in that nail hole. Put my hand in there. He said, all right, come here. Come here. Put your finger in there. He did. Wonder what it felt like. I'm talking about him, that close to Jesus, putting his finger in there, looking at his eyes. What is his eyes telling him? Then he said, Behold my hands, take your hand here and thrust it into my side. He said, Take it right here, right here, come on, come on, come here. Put it up in there. He's standing that close to the master. He's looking at him. This was not a good thing. And he said, uh, be not faithless. Thomas is right there. Maybe he still got his hand up on his side. He looked at him. He said, don't be faithless, Thomas. 
but be believing. Have faith. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. I expect he trembled when he said it. But he, this is correction, isn't it? And it's not just correction for him. It's correction for anybody else. And it's correction for the whole world that would ever read this. Right? Well, I got to see. I'm not believing lest I see it. I, and the thing is, this is so common. I've had people tell me, well, prove to me that anybody ever got healed over there at your place. I don't have to. Not my job. Besides that, you could see nine miracles in front of your eyes and still choose not to believe. You're the believer or you're a doubter. You either believe what he said or you don't. My dad, who's in heaven now, said he was standing right beside a woman in one of Brother William Branham's meetings many years ago. Had a large, huge goiter on the side of her neck, big as her head. Huge purplish mass. No way you could miss it. And when the man of God spoke to that thing. He said I'm standing right there by her. He's a teenager. Standing right there by her. And he said I saw it. He said I wasn't this far from her. He said it looked like you took a pen and stuck it in a balloon. It just went down. Went down. Went down. Went down. And then it's not sticking out anymore. It's just right there. Smooth skin on the side of her neck. He said, I was right there. I wasn't that far from me. He said, I saw it with my own eyes. He said, in that, as I was leaving the service that evening, I walked out. And he said, I heard some men standing there talking. And one of them said, ah, he just had that framed up. Him and that woman had something rigged up together there. What, they saw the same thing he did. But what? Does seeing miracles give you faith? Does seeing healings give you faith? No, you still have to choose to believe. And he said to him, he said, Thomas, are you there? Verse 29, because you have seen me, you have believed. You're blessed? No. Uh -uh. Blessed are they that have not seen. And yet, believe. That's me. That's you. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I have not put my hand in the nail hole. I have not put my hand in his side. I have not seen him. But I believe. I believe and I am not doubting about it. How about you? I am not, I have not a doubt. That Jesus is the risen Savior, that He's alive, that He's real, that He's coming again. I believe it. I believe it. And I hadn't seen it at all. So that means I'm blessed. How about you? That means you, Jesus said it. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Well, now, that's not just one area. That is universal. Blessed are those who've not seen healing, but they believe they're healed. Oh, come on. Come on. Blessed are those who have not seen the money, but they believe every bill is paid and every debt is paid off. Right? Blessed are those who don't see any way to get that relationship restored or for that child to get that thing fixed, but they believe it anyway, even though they don't see a thing. They can't see it, but they believe it. Amen. 
Blessed, blessed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Stand on your feet, please. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice and praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord. Tell the Lord, I believe. I believe. Oh, I believe. Thank you, Lord. I believe. I don't have to see to believe. I choose to believe you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Close your eyes. Say it out loud, Father God. Put your finger on any doubt, on any evil unbelief, rebellion, disobedience, unpersuadableness in me, and by your grace, I will reject it, refuse it, yield to it no more. In Jesus' name. I'm a believer. That's who I am. That's what I am. If you say it, it's true. And I believe it. And I'm fully persuaded that you are well able to do it. I believe it without a doubt. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.